Hey guys, Tara here. Welcome back to the show. It's been a while since I've done one, so I wanted to kind of give you guys a quick recap on what's been kind of going on in life uh, ever since, I guess, early this year. So right now, I am back in the U.S. after 10 years overseas. I'm in New York City. I just moved here last week, so if you're in town, uh, do let me know, but I'll kind of go over how I got here. So in December of 2016, my friend was approached to be CEO of a SaaS company for Amazon sellers. Uh, it was a tool called AMZ Tracker. Uh, he was kind of hired to build the 2.0 uh, new version of the tool, and he hired me and a bunch of the friends to kind of move to China with him and to kind of work on this tool. And so it was a SaaS tool uh, with a few thousand customers. It sounded like a fun thing to do because, after all, I've been freelancing for the last couple of years. Uh, working in a team environment sounded fun, and I figured, you know what? It was a new year in 2017. Uh, let's just try something new, try something different. And so a bunch of us, maybe around 10 to 11 of us, uh, we all moved to Shenzhen, China. So my role specifically was kind of to be CFO slash marketing slash support and also being like the kind of the token Mandarin speaker that can translate things. So I was also kind of the grease man, right? So um, the first wave, it was the CEO, CTO, and myself. Um, the three of us went there first to kind of set up the office. And then the other team, at this time, they were still remote. Some of them were in Bangkok or in Europe. They were all over the place. So the idea was to not be a remote team anymore, but to have everyone on site just because the fact that, you know, usually in a team environment, you can move faster that way. You can kind of iterate on ideas and things uh, faster as you're in the same room to go over things. So for a lot of us, it was the first time living in China. Um, just getting set up there kind of took a while, whether that was finding apartments, dealing with deposits, agents, you know, getting used to getting around the city in Shenzhen. So if you don't know what Shenzhen is, it's kind of the electronic capital of the world, right? So uh, all the iPhones, Playstations, Galaxies, you know, a lot of the hardware is made there, whether it's LEDs, vapes, you know, gaming things, whatever, right? You can basically go to these huge malls that are gigantic megaliths and you can buy every part you want and you can just prototype stuff uh, literally at your home or right there with a the supplier. So one of the difficult things about living in China was dealing with the Great Firewall because Google, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, everything is blocked. So when you're building a software company that really relies on like, you know, Google Cloud servers, Gmail, AdWords, things like that, it was just kind of didn't really make sense. After two months there, we realized that, you know, it was a big uphill battle dealing with a the global firewall and also kind of the mindset because uh, the parent Chinese parent company, um, you know, they're come from kind of a factory background in the sense that they're really good with physical products. When it comes to making software, it's a different skill set that not a lot of founders know how to do, and a lot of times they'll take. Uh, the factory mindset and apply it to software, which actually how it was starting out. Because if you think about how the industrial age started, um, you know, like kind of optimizing a factory was how you knew how to produce things. And even a lot of terms in software, like your production server, test server, it comes from the old manufacturing world. So after a few months of this, we realized the culture was clashing. Uh, our Western team wanted to build the version 2.0, take a more long-term vision, uh, but the Chinese parent company just wanted to kind of use what they had right now and kind of milk it for what it was. So in the end, uh, we decided to part ways. Uh, everyone that had moved there on the Western team pretty much left. Uh, I stayed on board with a couple other people to make sure there was a proper transition. And as I kind of was wrapping things up, I was thinking about what to do next, right? Because now we have a clean slate to start again. I was thinking that, uh, you know, I like doing software. It was actually quite fun because uh, the way software, you design it, you have to be very binary and very literal, right? It's like if you want a tool to do this, you need to do that. If it can't do this, why can't it do that? And the logic has to be very thought out. And I really like being in that environment. So I thought to myself, all right, how do I get back in the software? Uh, I don't want to do it in China. I don't think the talent's there. 
I don't think they're ever going to really build anything great on a global scale. Uh, everything they've built, whether it's like WeChat, uh, Alipay, it's all within that ecosystem. So if you want to build something really global, uh, you got to look elsewhere, right? And so being in Asia, I could do Hong Kong, Singapore, but even then, you know, they're expensive cities with a young ecosystem. And really in software, if you want to kind of be in the world-class place, it's still back in the U.S. So I looked at L.A., SF, New York. Uh, I didn't want a car in L.A. or SF. And so basically New York um, was the only place left. And I had a lot of friends here from college and uh, high school. So what I'm doing next, uh, one, I want to work at a tech startup uh, involved in the software space. So ideally in the B2B space, probably a SaaS tool or a venture back tool, just because I think being in the bootstrap space for the last four years, a lot of our peers, even myself, you just don't have much resources to scale up. You know, you're just kind of getting the profitability and then you're using that cash flow to fund your growth. It takes a little bit longer. You own more of the company, but I'm curious to see, you know, what it's like with a venture-backed company where you have resources to actually deploy on servers, talents, and to actually solve problems instead of kind of uh, doing the traditional bootstrap route. And I don't think it's bad. You know, either way is bad. It's just different ways of approaching business. So that's something I want to try out when I'm here in New York. So if you know anyone in the space, uh, kind of B2B tech startup involved in e-commerce, fintech, uh, or digital marketing, do let me know. Terry at buildmyonlinestore.com. Uh, otherwise, I am still working on side projects. Um, the one I'm working on is actually a software tool for e-commerce stores. Uh, this one is one that I talked to my friend about. It's a tool that can recover mobile cart abandonments. Uh, right now, I think I'm going to call it Cart Parrot. Uh, basically, when someone is on your cart, and they added stuff to your cart. Uh, a lot of times people will get lazy and kind of close the checkout process and not finish, right? So what this tool will do is it will give people an option to save to desktop and to buy it later. And so what it does is on the checkout page, uh, it'll be a button just on mobile sites that say, you know, buy it later on desktop. And basically they'll click this button and it'll say, hey, you know, John, uh, thanks for adding the stuff to our cart. Uh, here's a link that we can send to you via email that you can click on your desktop later to finish the transaction later. So, so instead of them just closing the browser and finishing it later, uh, one, you can actually send the URL to them in an email and they can join your email list. And also B, uh, we can parse the URL to actually close the loop on any Facebook ads, Google AdWords, or other marketing tactics. Because right now, a lot of times, you know, when someone sees an ad on mobile, they'll add something in the cart, and then they'll close it. But if they buy it on desktop later, you'll never get this link, uh, whether or not they're actually where they're coming from. So I think this is a way to kind of, A, uh, close that loop, two, reduce your mobile cart abandonment rate, and three, also build your email list. Because if someone's going to email it, you know, a link to finish the checkout themselves, we can always add them to MailChimp, Klaviyo, whatever Fusionsoft that you're using too. So I think this tool is still in beta. Uh, if it's something you want to try out, do let me know. Terry at buildmyonlinestore.com. Uh, we're still kind of specking everything out, but we should get this built really quick because my friends had the code for this kind of sitting as a repository for the last couple of months. Okay, so that's it with me. I uh, hope to talk to you guys again soon with Travis. we got to do a catch-up episode. He's been wrapping up on his Kickstarter. He's been doing a tour around all these BDJ gyms in the U.S., kind of getting the word out for his Kickstarter. So uh, definitely successful Kickstarter. We'll talk about more of that. Uh, soon. I got to get him on the horn in the next week or two. Uh, but thank you for sticking around, and uh, we'll see you guys soon.